Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. A special Saturday edition with Joe Cook, InsideTexas.com beat writer for the Longhorns. Uh, Joe has been, there's been two media availabilities uh, for the Longhorns to watch practice. Joe Cook of Inside Texas has been at both of them. Uh, I'm going to talk to Joe about that. Before I do that, though, Joe, I got to mention the big recruiting win for the Longhorns on Friday. Darian Gallette, uh, linebacker out of Teague, Texas, six foot two and a half, 225 pounds, commits to the Longhorns over Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Alabama. Uh, Gallette uh, really uh, warm to the Texas coaches, uh, had a lot of friends that were already going to Texas as well. Uh, and he is a big, big pickup for the Longhorns. The linebacker uh, was the co-MVP of his district last year when he played at Marlin. His dad moved in the offseason as an uh, assistant coach uh, down to Teague, so he's now at Teague. Uh, big pickup, top 100 player in the country for the Longhorns and a much-needed athlete uh, on the defensive side of the ball for Texas, Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski. <clears throat> now I want to go over to Joe. Joe, welcome in, bud. Thanks for having me in. Yeah, big time on Gallette. That's a, that's a big recruitment for Texas to win, not only for the out-of-state schools that they competed with, but, of course, the one just east in College Station. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Joe, I just want to go straight to it with you. Uh, you were at both open practices, um, are both practices that the media got an availability for. What were two or three of your overall thoughts on those practices? Uh, I'll, I'll start at, at wide receiver real quick. I think that's a place where a lot of intrigue is considering some of the additions that were made and guys returning. Uh, the top three, that's a pretty formidable looking top three uh, between uh, Isaiah Nayor, Jordan Whittington in the slot, then Xavier Worthy on the outside. That's that may be one of the best receiver units in the, in the entire con conference and maybe even the country. Uh, but, you know, we still got to see them play out uh, reliable guys, at least on the field with their hands, with their speed. Uh, Jordan Whittington with a, a great ability in the slot, but you got to test his durability. Um, and then the, the, the group right behind them basically still just as strong. There's only one question really, and it's probably at that field wide receiver slot behind Xavier Worthy. But on day two, you know, they're trying guys at positions they haven't mixed and matched too much. So that means over at X, you have Casey Kane and Troy O'Meary uh, behind them who look like great X receivers. And then Savion Red, uh, or excuse me, not Savion Red, uh, Tariq Milton behind Whittington, an experienced asset there at the other slot. So uh, you look at receiver and you see a lot of uh, really good players on there. Um, the, the, the rest of this uh, camp needs to be determining, you know, who's maybe that sixth receiver, who steps up as that seventh receiver. Is it Jaden Alexis coming back from injury? Is it Ajay Hall? Is it Brennan Thompson getting some run here in his first year? Uh, could Savion Red, who I think you thought highly of both in the high school process and, uh, on the day you were out there, could he jump up in there like he seems to have for some special team spots? Um, we all think about how dangerous these skill players are, the wide receivers at the very least, and that that's what they looked like, uh, especially that top five uh, that I mentioned. And, you know, that search for, for the six, it'll continue throughout camp. All right, so first overall impression with the wide receivers, what do you got next? you have to go offensive line. Uh, you have to, you know, you're looking to see when or if uh, any of those guys start to make a move up the depth chart. And that's because they all started at the bottom of the depth chart. 
you know, if you're someone coming into college for your very first padded practice, you're going to be behind the walk-on. Uh, if, if it's a meritocracy and you've got uh, your, your system in the right place, those walk-ons who've been there for two, three, sometimes even four years, they're going to be ahead of that five-star freshman who's in his first practice. Now, you know, that can change, and it kind of did uh, in a certain sense with Cole Hudson moving up to first-team right guard uh, on that second day, but that had to do a little bit with Junior Angulao, at least during the viewing session that we were there for, working exclusively at center, uh, behind Jake Majors, behind Logan Parr, and ahead of Connor Robertson. Um, and even then, uh, I think over at right tackle, you saw Cam Williams, I believe, move up into the, the second string. So it's possible. Again, that was past the walk-on. It made a little bit of sense. Uh, but for some of the other guys, they're still uh, behind players who have been in this, who have a bunch of starts under their belt or have been here for two to three years. Uh, so they got to earn their way. But, you know, how they look on the eye test, yeah, the, the whole large human thing, that that applies. Kelvin it's Banks real. It's great. I was yeah. there too. It's real. It's, right. It's, and and I, DJ Campbell, um, you know, I think he he was probably one of my favorite offensive line uh, recruits from this class. Um, him, Kelvin Banks, of course. But I, I really did like DJ Campbell. And, and he, he looks the part. He looks like he's been in the college program for a couple of years. Uh, if he can pair everything, if there's room for him on that line, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play in some meaningful snaps, start some games. But uh, I'd be shocked if he wasn't one of those top seven, top eight linemen this season. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that he's – I the, I'll tell you, I, outside – Banks and Campbell look terrific. They look more ready to play than everybody. Um, Williams looks like he's really close if he can just keep – you know, keep getting his uh, uh, conditioning level up. And then Malik Ogbo looked good. But uh, to your point, uh, it was you and I, after that that second practice, we went over to the posse uh, to decompress and get a little air conditioning and uh, sit, sat down there and talked. And we both uh, were in agreement there that, that, the, that the offensive lines just, those guys are a different breed. And I don't mean it in a negative way. I, the the third team offensive line that day looked more physically imposing by several categories than the first team offensive line. Doesn't mean they're better because they're not as old, not as experienced, but they looked more physically opposing. Um, all right. Outside of uh, you said first wide receiver, second offensive line. What do you got next? Or is there anything that you want to talk about in specific? Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I'll go uh, kind of a bigger picture thing. Um, because if, if you ever look at Google uh, to see the Frank Denius fields, there's the bubble up north, there's a path, and then there's the rest of the field. We're basically stuck on that path, and then on the southern tip is where the defense is. So the defense really hard to get a you know a read of anything uh, unless you brought some binoculars or, or a telescope or something like that. So I'll go with something uh, high, more high level 
and just practice organization. Uh, last year, Steve Sarkeesian would, you know, they'd have a little warm up period, uh, stretch, uh, like one or two individual drills, and then they'd go straight to special teams. And they would, at least in the areas that we saw, they'd be working on a certain aspect of it. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times it was rotating first or second string guys or fringe second string guys. Steve Sarkeesian's mentioned a bunch uh, over in the past week how he thought that maybe he had too many of those frontline guys on special teams. And granted, you know, despite their success, you're not going to try and walk all walk-ons out there uh, for, you know, punt or uh, kickoff because, you know, except in extremely rare circumstances, other teams are playing their top guys. So what he's trying to do is, A, of course, keep guys engaged. You know, if you're just showing up, being having a chance to be on a frontline unit, that's going to get you going. Uh, and that's how you earn snaps down the line if you're playing in that third phase. So what they've done is they've color-coded special teams groups. They've split them up into, you know, four different groups, kind of as a competition. That's what they're going to do in the this about first two weeks of, of, of training camp. And, you know, they're, they're giving young guys, I mean, just think in guys they specifically mentioned by name, two Arlington Martin guys, guys like Travell Johnson and Maurice Blackwell, who maybe they're not going to get first string snaps on defense. Maybe they're not going to get second string snaps on defense, but they have enough special teams experience to where those are two players that, hey, could definitely earn some time as a result of getting these opportunities with this four-team platoon rotation that they've implemented this year. And then, uh, the other thing is it you know probably helps them see some guys in space and see some guys – track the ball. Uh, one, one thing we've noticed was Savion Red was back there fielding punts. And I think, you know, we may have thrown it in some of our reports on Inside Texas and that may have been misconstrued as, wow, Savion Red has already mis, you know, dethroned Deshaun Jamison and Xavier Worthy. That, that's not what it is, but it allows us to see that, okay, they're giving him a try and they want to see what he can do tracking and see what he can do with the ball in his hands in some chances and those opportunities you know wouldn't exist if, in the way they ran it last year because you probably have the top four of Jamison Worthy I guess Roshan Keelan and uh you know throw Jordan Whittington in there those would be your returners nobody else would get that chance now you've got guys like Savion Red Travell Johnson uh, I'm sure BJ Allen and a bunch of different freshmen are going to have their chances uh, and to, you know, make a mark on special teams, they can still go to frontline guys, but those frontline guys are now going to have to fend off some of the, the younger guys. And it, it's just a, one of the interesting wrinkles that we had put right in front of us. That wasn't just personnel, wasn't just, uh, you know, changing a coach or adding a coach or anything like that. It was big time, you know, way practices run. And you and I both know that coaches are really meticulous about that. Well, let me ask you this. I, something I noticed, I, I, there's a couple comments I want to make. Do you agree with my thought that Jaden Alexis looks further behind in his rehab, even though he's working out with the team, than Troy O'Meara at this point? You know, I, 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 I get that sense. Um, and I think, didn't Jaden, when did Jaden Alexis get injured? Wasn't it in spring of 2021? Uh I don't know. I, I just felt O'Meara's ahead of Alexis right now. I think so. Rehab process, just the way they looked on the field to me. Yeah, I can't remember the exact timeline of uh, Alexis's injury, 
I remember O'Meary's was last year during camp. Yeah, that, I think that has to do a little bit with O'Meary just maybe being a little bit more gifted athlete, uh, being 6'3", kind of around that 210, I think, range. And, you know, I think he understands also what the rehab process is like. Not to say that Jaden Alexis doesn't, because uh, we've always heard great things about Jaden Alexis and, you know, being student body president for his high school. Uh, so maybe maybe me calling it that in the question, the right approach. It's Yeah, but to comment on what you said, O'Mary looks ahead. Um, I, I kind of think he'll be passing up Casey Kane before too long, whereas Jaden Alexis was running last uh, or next to last behind some walk-ons. Uh, at that Z wide receiver spot. So I think even that is just proof enough that O'Mary is a little bit ahead of Alexis at this point, uh, not just in their recovery, but in how they're playing, granted at different positions. Fingers crossed on O'Meary, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, he has not yet to make it uh, into a season and have been healthy. He is a, a really talented young man, uh, catches the ball very cleanly. Uh, as it relates to the punt return stuff, because I did not see the first practice. Did they, was Jamison returning any punts? Because the practice I, I saw the second one, I didn't see him work any punt return. And it looked like he was, I, and, and I think this could be one, could, could be construed one of two ways, right? They want him to work as much as possible at corner. He's already got a, a ton of reps and experience at, at punt returner. So he's not going to do too much of that right now until a week or two before uh, the game start, or they could be looking at, at someone that's probably a little bit more sure-handed than, than Deshaun and a, and a better decision-maker back there. Do you, what, did they do that? Did he return any punts on day one that you remember, or is that just a good question that we need to, that's an open-ended question we don't know the answer to really yet? Uh, well, I mean, a little bit of both. I, I'm very true. I didn't remember seeing him field any punts on, a, on either day either. Uh, you know, I was looking more at O-line yesterday when you were there. So if that's what you were watching and you didn't see it, I think that kind of echoes or replicates what I was looking at, uh, you know, on that day one. Um, you know, everybody, whenever people see number eight back there, they get really scared. Like, oh, no, 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 can't do that to Xavier Worthy. Why would you do that? And my response typically is, hey, here's this video of Devonta Smith returning a punt in the first quarter against Arkansas in 2020 steve sarkeesian and then of course jeff banks who's calling the shots there uh he's not afraid to use his top flight players uh, and we did see xavier worthy back there uh fielding punt returns i didn't see jameson uh back there fielding punt returns at the same time you know you talk about better decision making for all xavier worthy's phenomenal year last year probably the worst moment he had was trying to, was it, was it a kickoff against Oklahoma? It was a kickoff like, where the game had just gotten tied. Right. And that led to the go ahead score for the Sooners. Right. So, you know, we don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's an upgrade in decision-making and one of the main, the other main kickoff return guys as a function of blocking. And again, his own ability was Rashawn Johnson. Do you want to put him on punt return? Because that's a guy, not just because of his on-field ability, but you don't want that guy not on the field, not suited up, just long and short of it. That that guy's your, you know, your general who's riding his horse at the front of the army in front of the the privates and sergeants. Like that, that's a rare thing to see. And I don't know if you want to do that again. So I don't know, maybe by kind of like I mentioned, using this platoon method on special teams, they're just giving as many different people tryouts as possible. 
uh, to catch. And one thing to to note, there only, there's only one person punting, and it's Isaac Pearson. So all these guys are, are catching Isaac, Pearson, Isaac Pearson's punts. Maybe it gives the coaches more chances to figure out if they want guys there, or you know, maybe we'll see Jamison and maybe Worthy move back there as the uh, as camp goes on and our opportunities to see it. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. That was a good note there on, on Isaac Pearson because I, I had not mentioned that after watching and I did see the same thing as you there. So that's a, that's a good note for people to, to keep up with. Um, the, the next piece um, was this. Uh, you know, I, you and I were there and um, it looks like to me that, you know, the practice, it practice going well. I mentioned in an article on Friday that it felt to me like Texas had some talent, but it's not quite where you want it to be. You know, it, it's kind of like a sporadic talent. You have a guy like Roshan and Bijan and, and then you have the receivers but then maybe the offensive line, the upperclassmen just don't look that, that – they may end up being good, but they don't look good that good right now. Or the secondary kind of looks like, you know, it's still getting to learn what's going on back there, which is not uncommon this early in camp. I'm not trying to cast dispersions or anything like that. I'm just saying it felt – for me, it felt like there were some pieces that were coming together, but they were still trying to put the puzzle all into place. That's that's kind of how I felt about the athleticism of the team, as well as, you know, the, the um, position by position look at it, really. I mean, you, you, you follow Bijan with just about anybody or Xavier Worthy with just about anybody, and they're going to look different, you know, because those two are just exciting players. Last thing I do want to mention, and this is relates to that punt return, is talked about uh, Xavier Worthy and Deshaun Jameson. One of the reasons they put Devonte Smith or Jalen Waddle back there is because punt returns can be a position where, I mean, if they, it's a chance to get your best, most exciting player, the ball. Uh, that doesn't mean uh, that uh, it'll be perfect every time or that they'll be able to return it even every time you need somebody back there though, that is steady and consistent. And if you get uh, a, a big time returner back there that can do something, you want to get them the ball as much as possible. But um, that's th those were my takes on those two subjects. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on not so much the, the punt return game, uh, but the other stuff I was talking about? Um, I'm sorry, I, I kind of blanked for a second because I was about to turn the question on you because you, okay. <laughs> you made a point to me yesterday. And, you know, this is the position that Steve Sarkeesian calls the most important in sports. Um, and I like it's weird. We're going to work from the bottom of that chart. You made a point to be about Malik Murphy. Uh, you kind of had a revel revelation about the, him. Um, and it's it's one that I think I have been holding on to and trying to, you know, without trying to say like, hey, this guy's going to play this year because I didn't think that was the case. And of course, being sandwiched between uh, Hudson or yeah, uh, Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning may not help him see the field. But I think uh, you had some revelations about Malik Murphy that he isn't just some player who's 
going to occupy a spot in that room and, you know, not really factor too much in his career at Texas. Really talented. Um, he is the biggest quarterback by far. So he is NFL size. And if he, so long as he continues to work hard, he's going to have NFL caliber toughness and size. And, I, you know, the thing that was impressive, impressed me the most, um, I watched a lot of stuff in high school. And he wasn't a guy, at least his junior year, that, that pandemic year that he had, uh, that was not a very good year, in my opinion, for him. Uh, he, he didn't really feather the ball ever. It was, you know, he was trying to zap people and, and hit it hard downfield. And um, what I saw on Thursday afternoon was a guy that was, I mean, he was flicking the ball underneath. He's got a big arm. So, and he has a big windup on the deep ball. Uh, I'm sure they're going to try to change that a little bit, but you can't have a big, big windup on the underneath stuff or the intermediate stuff. And he didn't, he was starting to flick the ball. Quinn Ewers does the same thing. Instead of this big, same kind of, you know, motion, Ewers likes to flick the ball and, and be accurate, by the way. Uh, and Murphy was, was trying to do the same thing. And, I was I was highly impressed. Um, you know, if if for what, whatever reason uh, he doesn't make it at Texas because of Arch Manning or, or Quinn Ewers and he gets sandwiched in between there, I don't know that he's I don't know that he's going to be a great player at Texas. It could be somewhere else. I just feel like if that guy sticks with with Steve Sarkeesian for four years, I think he's an NFL quarterback. He may be a backup. He may be whatever. Okay. But Steve Sarkeesian's had backup quarterbacks like Matt Castle at uh, USC that he was back up to, I think, both Leinert and I don't know if it was Sanchez or somebody else, but he was back up to two different USC quarterbacks and ended up having a, a nice, I think, eight to 10 year NFL career. So yeah. uh, my point is, I don't know what Malik Murphy's going to end up being at Texas. A lot of that's up to Malik Murphy. I do know after watching him just in that practice, it was easy to tell that, that he has some tools uh, that not everybody at that position possess. Yeah. He's already up to third string. And I remember, I, I don't know if you remember that weekend where they, you know, right after Lincoln Riley left the doors to the stadium unlocked for Caleb Williams, a couple weeks later, Steve Sarkeesian leaves the door to the stadium unlocked for Malik Murphy. He also had a throwing session uh, just with a couple other Austin area receivers in, in the Austin area. And yeah, what you were mentioning about that long windup for long for deep passes, same thing for medium and short passes. Still pretty quick, but still kind of what way different between a year and a half ago and now, way different. He, and he's made a lot of progress, which is why he's already up to third string ahead of Ben Ballard and Charles Wright. Yeah, I, I think you may have learned something from just watching Quinn do it. Mm -hmm. Um, because Quinn's they're both bigger guys, like Hudson Card. I, I mentioned this. He's got better footwork, in my my opinion, than the other guys, but he's more experienced. He's older. You know, he's a little bit more of a true athlete than either Ewers or Murphy, who are more, you know, prototypical size quarterbacks. Um, but I, I'm not so surprised that he didn't learn that a little bit from Ewers because Ewers does that so nice. He just feathers it, you know, especially yeah. to the flats. And then on the underneath stuff, he, he does it, but it's a shorter windup. And Murphy did that. And I was... I was like, that's a different guy. Um, right. 
And so that, to your point, that that's why I was so high on Malik Murphy and just, you know, uh, whereas before I don't, I saw him as a big athlete, but I had not seen him become starting to show the signs of becoming a real quarterback. And, and it's a short period of time that, that uh, AJ Milwee and uh, Steve Sarkeesian been working with him. So who knows where he's at in a year or two, right? Um, exactly. Joe, uh, you know, tell us what is in store for Texas. Tell fans what's in store for Texas over the next couple of days and when you'll be out at practice again. So uh, yesterday, Friday, uh, they practice in the afternoon heat again. Um, today, Saturday, uh, I think they have an evening practice. And I think because it's still in that NCAA acclimation period, um, if anything, they can put on shoulder pads, but that's it. And they may not even be able to do that quite yet in practice four. Um, I won't be able to go to any windows there. There's not going to be availability after that. I think they'll give them Sunday off. And then I believe they go into the morning on uh, on Monday uh, to, you know, shake it up, shake things up a little bit, maybe work out in the, the cooler part of these Central Texas summers. I'm not sure of the availability schedule after that um, and not sure of the, the full practice schedule after that. You know, normally we'll see, you know, five days in a row and then Sunday off and Monday meetings, stuff like that. Uh, they're they're going a little bit different this this year, um, and part of that, as Steve Sarkeesian has mentioned a lot, is to you know get ready for the fact that it's probably going to be a hundred degrees in the stadium when they play on September third against Louisiana Monroe. Yeah, definitely going to be a hundred degrees in the stadium on September tenth uh, at eleven a.m. when when the Crimson Tide come to town. So getting them used to that, um, you know, whether that's uh, an actual thing or a mental thing probably helps in both both areas and not to say it's not hot in Monroe Louisiana or Tuscaloosa Alabama but they're going to be playing in Austin and Texas is playing in the Austin heat so uh they're they're being safe too uh, I think from everything we hear about Steve Sarkeesian we all know he tries to be a, a player's coach that definitely includes safety uh, and they've mentioned that you know I think you saw it for yourself there's always hydration breaks they're doing their best they do the cold tub thing after that's what that big upgrade to the facility is for to have a lot of that in-house instead of having to ship them off somewhere you know i think up in uh north austin for things like that so working in the heat and uh you know working on uh getting ready to to play games like that so they don't wilt in the fourth quarter like they started doing in week two last year yeah they they had some problems back then um special note to our readers at inside texas uh we will have some inside scoop type stuff over the weekend obviously uh, but there are no media availabilities, so the media members can't actually attend practices on Friday and Saturday. We will uh, try to do our best to, to get with some sources and get stuff out there for folks at InsideTexas.com. Uh, we also have a special membership drive going on right now, 50% off an annual men- membership to Inside Texas. That's 50 bucks uh, saved uh, right there, uh, and it is uh, good for new members only we're trying to attract uh, new new folks to the site uh, so please come and join not only joe and myself uh, but eric nalin justin uh, wells uh, jerry hamilton paul wadlington ian boyd uh, all of us uh, trying to produce content daily uh, for texas fans uh, joe i want to i want to finish up with a, a couple of questions and just to get your thought process on it you've seen them now two days uh, you saw them. You were there every day in the spring that you were allowed to be there as well. Okay. 
what do you see that's different from spring to fall to the fall practice at this point uh this is a 12 win team no i'm joking um <laughs> you know uh, during spring what you're trying to do is there's there's getting guys used to just what you do and and remember that, that was their first spring uh so on you know right after a season where you go five and seven you're still trying to get some guys used to what you're trying to do uh you're trying to make it through because you're waiting on seven offensive linemen to show up uh or six offensive linemen to show up which is a pretty significant portion of that room uh so a little bit you're just trying to survive and you're trying to you know do that fundamentals technique those are the two words de Sarkeesian and basically every coach constantly repeat fundamentals technique that type of thing you're not preparing for an opponent you're kind of just playing against your yourself you're really not I mean you're scrimmaging of course but you're just preparing against yourself you're still like that in that in these earlier stages of of training camp but the big difference is just the intensity like they're they know that you know what is it 28 days 29 days away games count for real uh that's that's what they're preparing for uh, yeah, it's like there's a deadline, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, um, and I, I'm sure that that holds true across programs all around the country. Uh, but you know, for for Steve Sarkeesian and this crew, um, that was like I said, that was their first spring. And granted, practices don't change too much, uh, at least in structure, off very often between spring and summer, but. You know, a lot of these guys were who were either enrolled early or transferred in were trying to learn new ways of doing things. Uh, guys who stuck around were trying to understand how Sarkeesian and company run spring. Now, with those 15 down, uh, they're, they're trying to get everybody up to speed and say, hey, you know, Terry Bowden's coming to town in, in a couple of weeks so or four weeks, so you better start getting ready right now. Um, last question. We've talked about a lot of players here that I think every almost everybody knows the names to all the players we talked about because mostly skill position or big name recruits, right? Of a guy that we didn't mention so far, who are you really high on through the first couple of days of practice and what you've seen? Let's see. I'm trying to think on – so I, I tried to watch a little bit of defense. Um let me think. You know, I've been big on Ryan Watts because I think that he's got an ability to help on that boundary. Uh, but I'm, I'll go, I'll go one scholarship guy and one may, maybe scholarship guy. Um, I'm, I'm big on Ovi Gofu. I really think that this is going to be a, a year where he has a role. Um, he's not, you know, competing with Ray Thornton or I think even Ben Davis. Like this is his role. He's comfortable in it. He knows what to do. He's a leader on this team. After a year with Steve Sarkeesian, he's got high-level football experience from being in that Notre Dame locker room uh, during, I think, their playoff runs. I, I think that you know he's going to be someone who's going to remain on the field a lot, whether it be at Buck or on the weak side when they go to the typical 2-4-5. Or if they change things up, I think he's still going to be there. And if they go base, I think he'll move to – potentially Sam I'm really looking I, I think this is going to be a year where uh, he continues to be in a role that that fits what he does I don't know if he's going to be all conference but I think he's going to be someone who's reliable um, another guy on defense is is Michael Taft um, you know this is someone who 
picked off Quinn Ewers a couple times when in the Dodge Bowl. He won back-to-back state championships, uh, uh, defensive MVP at the 6A state championships. I think he had offers from basically every Ivy and, and a handful of the you know G5 smart schools. Um, still decided to go to Texas, go to the school right down the road. And he's not falling too far behind the depth chart, at least at star. Like this is someone who played football at a high level for a really good team and is holding his own out on the on the practice field. Um, and then on the offense, let's see. Um, you know, I, Jordan Whittington, I just after, you know, I, I remember going to I remember going to Cuero. I think it was 2017. So that would have been his sophomore year. It was right after crazy Zach Smith offered him a scholarship for Ohio State. And I remember going and watching him, and I think they played, I may have been Yoakum. So the Moore, the Moore twins were on that team. And, you know, at 2A, 3A football, they stand apart. He still stood apart from them. Like he was the best player in the field both ways. And he proved that, proved that, proved that all the way to the state title game played through injury that year, got to Texas, and has just been beleaguered by injury since then. Seeing him out there and just seeing him be like that five-star athlete that I think pretty much everybody who went and watched him and watched him in that state title game knew that he was, just seeing him be that is is so I, – I, I love it. Like I've been watching him play for five years, and it's like that's, that's the Jordan Winnington I saw as a sophomore in Cuero as a senior in Cuero, and I'm glad as a, I guess he's a sophomore technically, but a 19, 20, 21, fourth year player or something like that. Uh, it's it's so great to just see him out there doing well. And then one other kind of underrated guy, at least on the on the offense. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, guys at receiver, um, but, you know, I, I, I think, he, honestly, Gunnar Helm, like, Tight end, talking about what you mentioned with the the spotty talent level uh, or sporadic, I forgot which word you chose exactly. It's Jatavian Sanders, it's Gunnar Helm, and then you know you're 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 left to wonder now with Jaleel Billingsley, uh, you know, nursing this hamstring soreness already. Uh, and Gunnar Helm was probably at least in the one of the two tight end roles may have been ahead of him or just behind Jatavian Sanders. And he looks the part, you know, he played last year uh, a good, a decent amount early uh, before Brewer and Wiley kind of took those snaps back. Um, but he looks like he's, you know, uh, he's not the athlete Jatavian Sanders is, but he looks like he's, you know, got the tight end ability out there. Um, and he's going to be important because behind him is, is Juan Davis, who's very inexperienced, uh, you know, kind of a receiver-ish athlete who's playing tight end. And then Jaleel Billingsley, who hasn't been 100% go, uh, you know, in these first couple practices that we know of. So Whittington, uh, Gunnar Helm, uh, not to speak, you know, that that I didn't even mention a quarterback, and they both look pretty good, at least in what we're able to see. But I, I like I like that four, that group of four that I gave you because it's you know two high end guys, two starters, and then two guys maybe vying for starting time, but who will contribute on the field. I get it. Um, Joe Cook, Inside Texas, thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, special Saturday edition. Uh, and uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Going to have uh, Brian Irwin, uh, former head football coach at uh, several different stops around the state. Won a state championship as the head coach at, uh, for the Lamarck Cougars. 
Uh, he'll be in. He's going to join us each and every week this football season uh, and talk about the Longhorns. Uh, so I'm encouraged by that and uh, happy to uh, be having that coming around. Uh, but for Joe Cook, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been On Texas Football. Again, please join us, uh, if you will, on InsideTexas.com as well. Thanks.